What is it about like them calling the girl a slut? Like I don't know. It's, it's I don't know. So demoralizing, but it's like fuck yeah, I'm a slut for you. For you. you. <laughs> What's up, good girls and guys? Welcome to the Juiciest Book Podcast, where we discuss our favorite spicy stories from cutesy romance to smut and all the fantasy in between. I'm Carly. And I'm Taylor. Welcome to Read It and Ride It. <laughs> Let's go, baby. <laughs> We're back with episode six. Sexy number six. <laughs> We're going to be talking about Twisted Love by Anna Huang. Alex is a devil blessed with the face of an angel and cursed with a past he can't escape. Ava is a free spirit trapped by nightmares of a childhood she can't remember. But despite her broken past, she's never stopped seeing the beauty of the world including the heart beneath the icy exterior of a man she shouldn't want. Fair warning to you guys, this book contains an ultra-possessive, morally gray anti-hero, explicit sexual content, profanity, and topics that may be sensitive to some readers. Woo! That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah! <laughs> the fact that the warning specifically says morally gray immediately yes. to us <laughs> which is funny because overall my rating was a 3.5 because when I first read this it is the first book of a series of four so yeah. I read all of them and the first time I read them around I honestly didn't think they were that special I kind of thought it was overhyped and then sometimes what I'll do is I'll go on audible and I'll download a book I've already read and then I'll re-listen to it and when I was listening to it on Audible, I didn't love the people doing the voices. But still, I was like, this shit slaps. Why the fuck did I not think this was good? Yeah, it's it's popular for a reason. I wasn't obsessed. I rated it the same as you. It wasn't like I was obsessed. Like, I got to reread this right away. But I did have a decent amount of red tabs on my physical copy, if you know what I mean. Hey. So. <laughs> <laughs> As for action, it was also a three out of five. There was minor bloodshed with fighting, but it wasn't extremely graphic or detailed. It was more of a fade to black kind of action. And it happened more towards the end of the book. Yeah. World building, one out of five. It's reality. Sad scale wise, two out of five. Both of their trauma was sad, but it wasn't enough to make me cry. Yeah, same. It, it, and with the flashback style, you know, a lot of the times that can be kind of, you know, when I read something emotional happening in the moment, that's more likely to get me to cry than For a sure. flashback. I agree. When it comes to humor, also a two out of five, there were certain parts like Ava comparing Alex to Voldemort or uh, Ava rubbing Alex's back, checking if he's a robot with control panels, and then the entire scene with uh, Bridget confronting Alex in his office. So it's like minor little things here and there that you kind of, you know, right. puts a smile on your face. You're like chuckling every so often. Right. But it, it wasn't like hilarious. Exactly. Smut wise, 3.5 out of six because it was not a slow burn, but it wasn't so sexual that I think I can qualify as a four. Because they have sex and the sex is spicy and his dirty talk is fucking fire. Fire. But they just weren't doing it enough. Like when we post that little thing that has all the spicy chapters, I just don't think that's enough to make it I agree. a four. Because there are certain books where it's like every other chapter, every two chapters, there's a, a sex scene, which honestly I love. And this just wasn't one of those books. There was still a decent amount of plot. For fluff, three out of five, I don't think it was a meant to be love. I don't think they were like, you know, soulmates or anything, but definitely a really cute, flirty couple. And they and they worked well together. They were a good pair. I agree. They're basically grumpy sunshine because oh, you have sure. Ava Chen as the FMC. She's this cute, sweet, innocent little photographer girl. Even Alex, his first point of view description of her is she carried herself like she'd seen it all. The good, the bad, and the downright ugly and still believed in goodness. I I like that he even basically 
calls her Sunshine, I think, as her nickname. Yes, he does. But alternatively, she can also be very sassy and surprising, which I think captivates Alex. Right. She just seems like one of those nice, genuine people. Like she's always looking at the good for everyone. She's trying to help. Extremely optimistic seeing the good in not only people, but every situation, which is like totally the opposite of me. Like I could <laughs> not be that positive. Hello, trust issues. But those, <laughs> <laughs> but those types of people, like I envy them. I'm like, I want to be you. And the fact that she went, through so much trauma. Right. I mean, she doesn't really like know her trauma, but eventually she learns what her trauma is, but she's still shaken up by it because she has those nightmares and she still decides to be so positive. I think is just a really good character quality that she has. Yeah, I agree. And to just give you guys an overall idea of just how extensive her trauma is, we have her mom dying by committing suicide by overdose. Um, she blocked out childhood memories, can't even remember her mom most of the time. Fear of water from almost drowning, manipulated into thinking it was her mom's fault. Um, her dad even saying, your own mother didn't love you. Your own mother tried to kill you, which isn't even true. She has night terrors. Her father tried to kill her, not only the drowning instance, but the smothering instance in his office. And then on top of it, her piece of shit ex-boyfriend, Liam. So it's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Girl has... It packing. Yeah. And speaking of packing. Hey, Alex, <laughs> welcome, baby, our MMC. Those ice chip green eyes that Ava melts swoon. There's something about a man with green eyes, I swear. Ugh. Dude, I think it's a fave of mine. For me, I'm a fucking slut for that foreign, rich, powerful, broody, dirty, possessive, morally gray man with a big dick <laughs> like literally this is my hook like they described him and i was like i will do whatever you want alex volkov fuck me <laughs> any way you want when you started listing that list i was like okay oh okay oh yeah okay it was a long fucking list but it's literally like check check, check. oh <laughs> check check <laughs> <laughs> yeah checked all your boxes <laughs> I love that he's also more than just a hottie with a body. He's got an IQ of 160 inventing softwares as a kid. He's an orphan who quadrupled his inheritance, becoming a multimillionaire, COO of the top real estate company, although low-key actually the CEO, but he's using his uncle at the meantime. And then he has something called hyperthymesia or HSAM, and I may have said that wrong, apologies if I did, which is highly superior autobiographical memory. Hello. Better than photographic memory. Why is this like extra hot? It's because he can like relive the sex, I feel like. Right. You I know. almost feel like in his head, it's almost like a stack of movies. He's like, oh, let me go back to this date when I railed <laughs> Ava in the hotel. Right. <laughs> He's like, oh, I got to jack off really quick. Let me just file back. <laughs> <laughs> what is also hot, but somewhat taboo because some people don't like this is mm. that he's her brother's best friend oh that is a little taboo well <laughs> taboo <laughs> i hate you <laughs> well when josh asks him to watch over her while he's gone i instantly was like oh yeah here we go yeah it, Exactly. It was setting up for it. Yeah. And like Josh not thinking that something would happen. I'm just kind of baffled by him, but it's fine. Right. I think he even says something like, I know you wouldn't do anything. And I laughed before even reading Literally. and knowing the character. I'm like, <laughs> cackle. Idiot. <laughs> I have seen a lot of hate for Alex online. People what? don't like him. And I just don't get it. Like, out of the four books, people say that Alex is the worst. And not I don't agree with that. But also, like, they're making it seem like he's not just, like, four on the list. But he's, like, fucking 20 or something, you know? Like, really? they made the list. Yeah, I don't know why. I did not know that because I actually really like him. But, you know, I, I would think the main reason people think that is because he's so cold and manipulative but at the same time 
He has this soft side that, you know, of course, only Ava gets to see. And he also has gone through a lot. Like, people need to remember he also has trauma. Like, he saw his mom, dad, and sister murdered as a kid. That'll fuck anyone up, okay? And it also has, instead of just being this, like, depressed person, he also has taken it and used that to drive his vengeance and push him to work with his uncle, who plot twist was the real bad guy all along, which just honestly made me feel even worse for him. Like the one person he thought he could trust, the one family member left, piece of shit. Right. I also like that this is a dual POV or point of view throughout, which I know isn't a favor of yours, but I like when you get to hear the guy's side of the story. I feel like I've had to just grow into it. And I, I feel like it just starts because I read in Blood and Ash in Akatar, and those are from the female's perspective. And then when I got into reading other books, I realized that dual POV is more common. So I've grown to like it more like, is it my favorite? No, but... If this book was all from Ava's POV, I wouldn't like it because I like hearing Alex's perspective about how he thinks of her and what he's going through. And there's moments like at the end where Ava gets kidnapped with Bridget and he's talking to the uncle. I wouldn't have liked that scene from Ava's point of view. Like I liked it from Alex's. So. We would have been way more pissed at him if it was from her point of view. Absolutely. I feel like sometimes if it was just from the FMC's point of view that you could be more angry with the guy. It's almost like you get just a biased opinion because you just have that one point of view, whereas you get the full story with the dual POV, which I I think why I like it so much. Yeah. So very first scene of the book, Alex picks Ava up in his Aston fucking Martin and tension is already rising. Instantly, their interaction in the car hints at enemies to lovers, which honestly rolled my eyes. We know where this is going. And right away, he is assigned by Josh to watch over her. And the first thing he is, is he's like, give me your schedule. Like he <laughs> has to know where she is. Like, okay. I know. He's like talking all this shit about her. And then all of a sudden he's totally obsessed with her. Like literally running background checks on her photography clients. Overprotective trope. Big hashtag. <laughs> and by page 40, they're not even really interacting with each other he's just doing all of this shit showing that he's obsessive behind the scenes like if she was ignoring me she's in deep shit if she was hurt i would bury the person responsible six feet beneath the ground in pieces like homeboy doesn't take words into consideration he goes straight to violence (laughs) (laughs) which makes him morally gray which makes him check my fucking box (laughs) i love that shit a fucking dude who will unalive people to keep you safe, mm-hmm. that's what I want. Mm-hmm. Burn the world for me, baby. I bet you loved the part where he crashed her boudoir shoot. Is that how you say that? Boudoir? I think so. We'll go with it. Boudoir yeah. shoot. And he's like, golden skin and curves that etched themselves into my brain forever. I was like, HSAM! That's his like, you know, memory thing. Yeah. And he also goes, I was caught between disturbing lust and inexplicable fury that other men were seeing her like this. Like, (laughs) he's so possessive already. And Ava obviously is pissed off that he reacts this way. It's not like they're dating. They barely get along. So she goes to her tight-knit friend group of four. Who The other three girls, that's what the other books are based off of. Right. So you have Jules, the redheaded party girl, a.k.a. J.R., because she's called that by Josh. Yeah, and I believe it stood for, is it Jennifer Rabbit? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whatever, that sexy cartoon rabbit. Which is like, okay. okay. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, be a sexy call rabbit. me JR. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, Ava, just the nice girl, I would say, and that's the one this book's about. Bridget, the pretty girl, and she's actually a legit fucking princess. And then Stella, the shy blogger girl. Which there's total foreshadowing in this book for the future books for each of those girls. Yeah. These bitches get together. Like true friends. (laughs) And devise a plan to get him to show his emotions, which gives me total 
John Tucker must die vibes, except they don't want him to be hurt. They just want him to show emotion. Ooh, yeah, that's so John Tucker must die. That's awesome. Uh, throwback. <laughs> it's a good ass movie. It's such a good movie. That guy's sexy as fuck too. So sexy. <laughs> so phase one, operation, emotion. Ava specifically to try to get him to be sad, brings over these movies and totally fails, but leads to dun, 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 one bed trope, but also LOL at the accidental cock grab. <laughs> it's like the way he's like, um, move your hand unless you plan on doing something with it. I know. At that point, I was like, can you just be a little bit more promiscuous, Ava? (laughs) Damn it. Fucking grab that cock. This is your opportunity. (laughs) Phase two was disgust with the cookie thing where she gives him that fucking disgusting ass cookie. He didn't react, have any emotions, just sit there, fucking ate it like nothing. Yeah, total fail. Fail again. Phase three, happiness. She decides to bring him out for some fresh air good food and is like don't you feel happier already he's instantly like no there are children screaming everywhere and a fly just landed in your cell (laughs) and i was like that is so relatable i feel like anytime i try to do a picnic thing in my head i'm like oh it's gonna be so fun and cute and then it's like chaos yeah it's just a lot (laughs) so again fail phase four was fear which she failed again because this motherfucker is fearless oh yeah like he literally is morally great. I mean, she doesn't know this, but he's morally great. He kills people. He's on a revenge streak. Like, I think the only thing at this point that could give him a semblance of the emotion of fear would be Ava dying. Ooh. Well, yeah, she didn't know that, but that could have worked. Phase five was jealousy. And I kind of think she did this phase without really knowing it. Because she goes to the alumni event where Alex spots her after a guy says, who's that? Basically drooling at her. And he's like, a goddess entering the gates of hell. And she didn't even know it. There's also instantly a your mind moment. So your mind trope. He tells her what she wants most is love and then thinks what I admire most about Ava was also what I hated about her. Darkness craves light as much as it wants to destroy it. Though it was already too late, she was mine. She just didn't know it yet. That part, I was like, oh, shit. (laughs) Very cat and mouse vibes, too, in addition to your mind. Oh, yeah. Also showing possession was when he catches Liam, that fucking cheating ass douchebag who thinks he can get her back for what reason? I don't fucking know. Cornering her in the coat closet and beating him the fuck up. Like literally evil cackling with like my fingers going together. Like, (laughs) (laughs) like I love a jealous man. I love that. He just beat the fuck out of him. Like he didn't use his words. Sometimes you need to use fucking fists, motherfuckers. (laughs) Ava even, I mean, he beats him up so bad that Ava even goes, Alex, stop. You'll kill him. And he's like, is that supposed to deter me? And then she brings up on the way back. Liam grabbing her arm and calling her names and her kneeing him in the balls at the bar not that long before. Also noticing that Liam was on drugs and in addition to drinking. Yeah. And Alex's response, oh, so good. I will destroy him. Everything he has ever touched, everyone he has ever loved, I will ruin them until they're nothing more than a pile of ashes at your feet. Is it sick how much I loved this? I'm no, like- I. it's seriously so addicting. Like they, <laughs> They're so consumed by the girl that they will literally do whatever it takes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and like you said, I think phase five was a success, even though she didn't really know it. The fact that we know it's a success is because we were hearing it from his point of view. Oh, so true. Then they make a deal. Photo shoot for Krav Maga lessons. At the photo shoot, Ava gets bold and admits she wants him after he asks, which again, that's her kind of surprising him. Mm -hmm. And I think he likes that. He doesn't admit it back, but they do have a little chemistry-filled moment. And then she scrolls through the photos later, and one he has stark desire, quote-unquote, written on his face. Such a fluffy moment. Oh, yeah. At this point, it was kind of a minor slow burn. Like, I'm reading this and her seeing his emotions and describing it. I'm like clenching my legs together because the tension is building and I'm like, damn, 
when we rip this Band-Aid off, he is going to fucking annihilate her. Then she ends up at a party that his ex Madeline was hosting. And she has this whole kind of verbal brawl with her where Madeline's kind of egging her on, saying that, you know, Alex is into stuff sexually that you could never do. I think in particular it was it has to be from behind, no like looking and basically like you're too vanilla to handle what he's like. So yeah. get out of the way kind of vibe. And then she pushes her into the pool and Alex knows that she has a fear of water at this point. So I kind of thought when he was saying that he saw the video on social media and saw her get pushed into the pool, I thought she was going to be dead or like at the hospital or something. So I thought it was going to turn into one of those like, oh, Alex was going to realize that he, you know, loved her because he had to show up to the hospital or something for her. I'm glad it didn't, but that's where I thought it was going at this point. Yeah. The way the scene cuts off from her point of view too, it's like she gets pushed in and then it's Alex POV getting the video and you're like, holy shit, like did she get pulled out? Like what happened? She did get pulled out and she, you know, ends up going to her friend's house and Alex comforts her or whatever. So they're kind of getting closer. So she decides, okay, let me host this surprise B-Day party for Alex. Plus, again, she's sunshine. She's like, let me just do this party for him. He'll love it. You know, always looking at the positives. And what's so cute is it's his first B-Day party since his parents died. I know. They also have their first kiss at this party. Are you surprised she made the first move? I mean, no, because I just think he's trying to resist her so badly because in the back of his mind he has that revenge plot going on so he's like I can't feel this way kind of thing but it is surprising in a way for her because her personality is so meek and she's so eager to please and then all of a sudden she's like I want to jump on that dick (laughs) all right (laughs) honestly they're a good duo though because the fact that she's so eager to please and he is so dominant it's like Okay. Dominant submissive. Let's do it. Easy going. Good girl, bad boy. (laughs) But Alex stops her. They don't have sex, which is like, okay, bummer. Fine. (laughs) (laughs) It's coming up though. But he does start to build his emotional relationship more with her by teaching her how to swim. And that's really where I think the trust level between the two are established. Yeah, Her point of view in that first pool scene freak out was I wanted to pour into him every drop of light I had to give until he consumed me whole, until I was his and he was mine. So even she at this point is like, you're mine. Right. They're not getting away from each other. No. (laughs) That pool freak out then leads to her begging him to kiss her. I love how surprised he is by how bold she is. And he tries to stop himself, but can't. Thank God. God. (laughs) He's like, I was going to destroy her. Any remaining shred of conscience I possessed had disappeared when she said, maybe I like those things too. My blood roared at the memory. (laughs) I was like, HSAM again. (laughs) I knew that shit would come in handy. (laughs) And then right into the fucking hotel room. Let's go, baby. That fucking dirty talk. Some honorable mentions. You want me to take you, sunshine? Ruin you? Pound you into a pathetic mess? Turn you into my little fuck doll? Did I fuck your brains out, my gorgeous slut? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. (laughs) All of my favorite parts are kind of wrapped up into one quote. Like, we've got the choking. We've got the all the holes up for grabs. F- Ooh. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm getting giddy, like, just reading the first two words. <laughs> this is what we mean, though. The, the smut talk is fire. <laughs> Every inch of you belongs to me, and if I ever let another man touch you, my other hand closed around her throat, he'll end up in pieces, and you'll end up tied to my bed and fucked in every hole until my name is the only one you can remember. Do you understand? Like, Yes. Yes, God, you are my God. I do as you say. (laughs) I here to please you. (laughs) Uh, Amazing. He even breaks his own rules without realizing it. 
Ava's like, careful or you ruin your reputation of unfeeling sex. And he's like, no one else will ever see me this way. Only you. And then he's like, shit. That's when I realized I was well and truly fucked. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) She's also progressing in her own trauma because since he's helping her, you know, with the pool thing, she's also gaining that trust with Alex. It's allowing her to kind of not have nightmares anymore. Yeah. You know what? I will say, though, the nightmares thing, like if you guys just listened to our last podcast, even with Archer's voice, so fucking cliche. Like, I swear to God, all these MCs be having nightmares or trouble sleeping. Find their lover and then poof, no more nightmares. (laughs) It's because the love doctor comes in. It's a healing power, I guess. (laughs) They're also exclusive because he's hella possessive at this point. I'm pretty sure... He even makes it clear before they leave the hotel room, like, only me will be touching this. (laughs) Yeah, he literally grips her chin and is like, you're mine, sunshine. You're never touching another man. Yep. Fall Fest rolls around, and this is the first time that she's hanging out with her friends with him, and the friends are seeing this other, I mean, he's not like emotional, but way more than the friends have ever seen him be before. I mean, he they're shocked because they never even see him smile, let alone like laugh at something Ava says. Right, exactly. My favorite scene is when he cuts his fingers so they have to go to the student health center and he takes off her underwear and fucking gags her with it and then proceeds to come inside her and then she goes to clean it up and he's like nope you're gonna be fucking walking around with cum down your legs so that everyone knows you're mine oh my god i can't i can't a couple of quotes from that scene since we've established you're a screamer open your mouth fucking faint okay then he's he's like This next one's so dirty, but come for me like a little slut. (laughs) (laughs) What is it about like them calling the girl a slut? Like, I don't know. It's it's so demoralizing, but it's like, fuck yeah, I'm a slut for you. For you. you. (laughs) (laughs) There's even this description used when she comes where she's like, flying high in an explosion of starry bliss i was like wow yes please (laughs) she's also got some daddy issues which pops up pretty often in these books but she ignores her intuition about her dad excused it as him not understanding how to act with a daughter versus a son right she starts to remember you know what happened in her past after seeing the glint of the gold ring. Like she's literally starting to spiral in her head, the scene that went down. Yeah, right after that, Alex's trauma totally rears its head, showing he's an overprotective when he hears her scream while she's out by the lake, having that memory coming back. And he races outside, cursing himself for leaving her alone, for failing her. That made me so sad. Because it was kind of like how he watched his family die and he wanted to go out there, but kind of froze in the moment. But at the same time, it's good he didn't because he totally would have died. He was just a kid. And now here he is in like, I don't know that they've said love at this point, but he's at least in obsession, in lust with this girl. And he feels like he's failing her again. Right. And he just doesn't ever want her to experience any type of pain. So the fact that Unless he brings it to her. (laughs) (laughs) Pain with pleasure. When they finally confront Michael about what really happened down at the lake. It was so hot how Alex literally had wrath radiating from him in a dark, dangerous waves. I could picture it. I was like, he was probably like fists clenched, like just ready to pummel him. Right. Like if he was, could be a shadow daddy in reality, like he would have (laughs) shadows like coming out from behind him. (laughs) I fucking wish. I cannot believe the dad tried to fucking kill her, then tries to kill her with the suffocating thing again. Right. And his only reason for stopping is because his son came home from school early or some bullshit. And he literally says, maybe you'll forget this too. Like, what a sick bastard. And then his reaction to being confronted. The audacity of this man. His face morphs from fake caring father to delighted malice with a mocking smile, describing him as inhuman looking as he slow claps. 
you should have seen yourself. Classic. You really thought you were crazy. Dude, that shit kind of scared me. Like, he is truly psychotic. Truly. What the fuck? And then on top of it, you have more fucking like plot stuff just being dropped on you. The reason why he actually hated her. She's not his daughter. She looks exactly like her mom. And the mom had cheated but denied it. But he had taken a secret paternity test and set the mom up to get custody and only cared about Josh the whole time, which is why they had an estranged relationship because that wasn't even her dad. I will say I did not see that coming. Like, that was a shock for me. Right. And also, like, stop projecting your own shit with the mom on an innocent little girl, you little fucker, Michael. Yeah. Small dick energy. We don't like you. (laughs) (laughs) Also, the fact that the dad says Josh will take his side, but Josh overhears the whole combo walking in last second and punching his dad in the face. I was like, yeah, right, left, take that. (laughs) And then Ava says, I love you, a heart of gold encased in a heart of ice. Perfect description for Alex. And Alex's reply is, you are the light to my dark sunshine. Without you, I'm lost. Okay, I will say when I first read this, I loved it. But he didn't say I love you. How do we feel about him not saying the words I love you back? You know... I like it when they get creative with the I love you phrase. I feel like it's just like a whole other level of infatuation where I'm kind of like, okay, like, can someone tell that to me too? Like, I want you to burn the world for me. Okay. Yeah. You know what? You're so right. Cause like any basic ass man could be like, I love you. But for a man to be like, I'll burn the world for you or, you are the light to my dark. Without you, I'm lost. A whole other level. Right. And this plays into the trauma bonding trope, which now they're both aware of each other's trauma. And I think they both have had this need for love after losing their parents, both physically and mentally, honestly. Like her yeah. with her dad shit, him with his loss of his parents and the fucked up fucking spin with the uncle's betrayal. Which, thank God, Alex has this, like, sixth sense. He's like, don't trust anyone. It's always the people you least expect who stab you in the back, a.k.a. his uncle. Right, because his uncle was the person who sent the killers to the house when his family died because he knew that Alex would be away for camp. Right, and so now Alex is a bit suspect. He's like, let me do some research. And we go through the whole documents in a fake outlet, hunt down the contracted killers, and use the hacker to find the buyer trick. Alex takes over as CEO, kicking Ivan, his uncle, to the curb. But Ivan had cameras in that library where the outlet was and the documents were hidden. So he knows Alex knows. But also, do you remember what the letters said? He was professing his love and begged Alex's mom to leave his dad, but she rebuffed him until he grew aggressive. And then he promised she would regret it. Yeah, honestly, the uncle being so fucking psycho about loving the mom, like who could blame her? Like, of course she didn't want to be with you. You're being psychotic and aggressive. Go after someone single, you loser. (laughs) Ivan then has Bridget and Ava kidnapped and Alex has to basically tell the truth about him taking down Michael Chen in front of Ava and Bridget, which is the first time that Ava's hearing about this. But I'm glad this scene again is from Alex's point of view because you can see it in his head processing through like, holy shit, I'm going to have to reveal all of this stuff and I'm going to have to hurt her, but I need to do this in order to save her. Yeah, and this is Ivan's revenge, as if he deserves any, by making Ava hate Alex. And he says something like, you can't fool me. I saw the way you looked at her. You love her. But will she love you after she finds out what you did? Total revenge trope right here. Here he goes, literally listening on and on about all the shit that's really been going down behind the scenes. My jaw was dropping about all these connections. This was a point where I wasn't expecting it to happen. Right. Like I was expecting, obviously, Ivan betraying him. But the fact that Alex had concocted this whole plan to go against Michael Chen and avenge his parents' death, I was like, holy shit. And dude, fuck. Like 
my heart was hurting so fucking bad for Ava because he was being absolutely ruthless the whole time. Like, yeah, it wasn't only what he was saying. It's like one thing after the other. Boom, boom, boom. But then on top of it, it's the way he's saying it because he's putting on a show for his uncle, but Ava doesn't know that. Right. And he's like, I told you not to fall for me. Like, come oh, on. Brutal. Like, my hope for them kind of getting out of this was just dwindling so fast. Like, I was the candle flickering out on this. <laughs> like, it fuck and then fucking madeline being in on it too that fucking bitch figures bitches will be bitches and then alex turning the tables having poisoned ivan weeks ago to make it look like a natural disease he's like you can buy anything on the black market these days i was like sheesh morally great don't fuck with alex (laughs) and honestly slay for him killing his uncle in camo totally savage i love it it wasn't going to be like, oh, we're going to let him go and be processed by the authorities and let yeah. out in the world. He was like, I'm a bad guy and I do bad things, baby. <laughs> He's not the type to give someone the chance to come back. Right. And I don't understand why the uncle is kind of antagonizing him at this point because he's holding the gun to him and the uncle's kind of like being like, uh, I'm going to say some shit and kind of rile him up. It's like, do you know who you're talking to right right now? Alex Volkov. And then I also love that he just shoots him multiple times and he's like, that's for my father, mother, Nina, and this is for me. Like this motherfucker didn't just get shot and fucking dead in the head. Mm -mm. He was making him suffer as much as he can. I also liked though that he didn't wait for him to, you know, say his story and he was going to say any final last words. Nah, he was just like, bang, bang, bang. (laughs) Yeah. Ava being her ballsy ass self. Yeah. Genuine, happy, go lucky self still in all of this bad shit is like, this cannot be true. She confronts him one last time thinking he was just a really good liar telling his uncle those things. And this is just a lesson for the future. Yeah. The way he says you were nothing more than a means to an end, fucking brutal. This was the one part that almost made me tear up. She's like, something inside me broke, and I was no longer only crying for my shattered heart, but for the girl I used to be, the one who believed in light and love and the goodness in the world. That girl was gone. So relatable to, I think, Every person in their 20s who has that reality check, you realize the world is not as it seems and people can be ugly and cruel beyond comprehension. Like you may have been blessed and sheltered by loving parents, but you can't stay sheltered forever, especially with modern technology. And so that quote, I think, is extra powerful because whether you're going through like a really emotional situation like she is, I mean, hers is obviously super A little dramatic. Yeah. (laughs) It's also relatable on like, the normal level. I feel like everyone has this feeling at some point in their life. Right. It's just so powerful from Alex POV because it's showing, you know, what Ava says, was any of it real? And then him in italics in his own head, yes, sunshine, all of it realer than I ever thought possible. But the way to protect Ava was to let her go, even if it meant destroying himself fucking idiot (laughs) i know it's like all cute and lovey-dovey but annoying also rocco his on-call cleanup team leader calling him out for looking like he's gonna cry (laughs) i know i was like good that's what you get you little shithead (laughs) as soon as josh finds out he beats alex up but alex doesn't fight back because he's hating himself which is stupid since it's his fault for not coming clean I mean, I get it. It's the whole, she deserves better, but like, come on. Been there, done that. Read it, seen it. (laughs) Um, Yeah, they're both sad to lose their best friend, but Alex goes through his memories with Ava using his HSAM, and I think that makes him more upset because he's like, now I remembered why I'd held off reliving the good memories. Every time I returned to reality, it was like losing Ava all over again. I'm proud of Ava, though, because even though she kind of started to become a shell of herself where she was essentially numb to like literally any emotion. She decides to go to the water and she's like, I'm not fucking going to be afraid anymore. Like I can do this without Alex. I don't need him here. And 
honestly completely traumatic for her to have to relive her trauma and like essentially dying in the water and drowning. But now it's replaced with the trauma of her relationship with Alex. Like girl can literally not catch a break. Like first it's the drowning. Now it's fucking literally getting her heart torn out of her chest. And I feel bad for her because she literally lived this lie her entire life of hating her mother because she thought her mother was the one trying to kill her. And then she ended up being Josh's half-sister, how to dad she never knew. And then on top of it, she finds out that the love of her life was targeting them the whole time for some fucking revenge thing. Like, I know their love ended up being real, but that doesn't make up for the fact that for eight years, he was just trying to do anything to take her family down. At the same time, there's this quote she says that just proves how from being the shell, she's kind of growing again because she says, but I survived not one, not two, but three near-death experiences. I'd had my heart broken and smashed, but I was still breathing. I'd lived with my nightmares almost my whole life and still found the courage to dream. I love that. Me too. Because I, again, like, I don't think myself I'm that strong of a person. So I feel like when I read books and it's in writing like that, it kind of motivates me and myself to be like, yeah, you can be positive and be more motivated and stuff like that. <laughs> Fucking Bridget. <laughs> love I love her. <laughs> when she comes in to Alex's office to confront him like a fucking badass, I was just the entire time like, I cannot wait for her story. Like, she is going to be such a Ooh, fucking slay. I'm glad Alex was looking fucking rough, like not at all his cool, icy, confident self because of their breakup. So you know it's kind of hitting him hard as well. Good. And then, I know, right? <laughs> Good. Good, motherfucker. <laughs> and then Rise, who is Bridget's bodyguard, happens to know the undercover security protection that Alex hired for Ava was chef's kiss. S- chef's kiss. <laughs> yes, that's what I was trying to look for. It was perfect. And Alex hinting in retaliation that he knows something about Bridget and Rise. I was like, <laughs> hello, book two. <laughs> but Bridget baiting him with, I guess you don't want to know about Ava. <laughs> I was like, she's, a ma- she's just as manipulative as you, Alex. <laughs> I love how Bridget basically makes him admit that he loves her and that's why he's looking out for her. He says, thousands miles away from me, Fuck that. <laughs> I'm like, fuck yeah, go get your girl. And then he's asking for the flight info, but ends up missing the fucking flight. Yeah, he doesn't ask for the flight info. He snarls. Homeboy <laughs> goes feral. And honestly, I was glad he missed the flight because that would have been super fucking cliche too. Right. They have their little confrontation on the street outside her London fellowship. He's telling her he quit his job. I'm following you here. I'm not leaving until you come back with me or you be with me. It's showing that he's immediately serious. And I'm glad that this wasn't all it took to get her back, though. Like, she wasn't like, okay, yep, we'll be together now because you quit your job and you're here in London. Also, the way she feels his presence before she even sees him. Ugh. Yeah. Honestly... It's a sixth sense kind of soulmates vibe thing. Like, I feel like when the girl can sense the guy and they get the goosebumps on them and they're like, yeah, I feel like someone's watching me. Definitely. Totally like that. This first convo they have also almost made me teary eyed. Almost. The way she threatens a restraining order and he's like, I have friends in the British government. I'm not leaving you unprotected anywhere. But now he's the one taking over protection. I'm like, ugh, it's so sweet, but I, if I was her, I'd be frustrated, but also like, it's kind of endearing. <laughs> <laughs> and she makes Alex Volkov flinch. <sighs> to Dude, make that hits, man flinch. It hits hard when you can make a morally gray person flinch. Yeah. What she says to make him flinch is, I asked you that day if any of it had been real. Consider the lesson learned. He flinches and it's like, it was real. All of it. Too little, too late, bro. I know. A flinch is just like, I feel like 
if I experienced a flinch in real life, I don't know if I would notice it or if it would be as impactful as it is in a book. Because when someone says he flinched in the book, it's so fucking descriptive. Like yeah. you can feel the pain coming through when that happens. And I'm, I, f- I felt bad for him because you know how hard it was for him to flinch and hear that, but he did deserve it. Okay. And you know what? I'll come clean. I may have shed one tear. <laughs> <laughs> you big baby. I know. But still in this conversation, she says, that was the one truth you spoke. I was too soft hearted and the world is not the place I thought it was. It's cruel and it's vicious and there's no place for soft hearts. Then he reaches for her and she recoils. I was like, ugh, first the flinch. Now she's recoiling. And he goes, you told me once there was something beautiful waiting for me, something that would restore my faith in life. I found it. It's you. God, this scene is so fucking... It honestly could be viewed as cheesy, but so, so good. Fluff levels through the roof, heart stirring. I truthfully loved it. So did I. I mean, I don't know why people bash on the fucking cheesy stuff. Like it's there for a reason. That's why we're reading a book. Right. I want the cheesy stuff. I need a little bit of it. Yeah. Yeah. I love that it doesn't take him very long to shove off his emotional side and start channeling his possessive side again. And he's like, (laughs) I'll kill any man that touches you. Like, She's like, you have no right. I don't belong to you. (laughs) And the muscle popping in his jaw in reaction. Love that description. He basically becomes her stalker. Like, glad she didn't cave at the sad puppy dog moment with him standing out in the rain outside her flat because I don't know if I would have had the strength. (laughs) We love a good fucking grovel. I mean, I thought him following her around and having a bodyguard was endearing even though Ava was like no I don't need it like but you obviously almost got kidnapped like you did get kidnapped oh yeah (laughs) you did get kidnapped even more (laughs) like you obviously need someone to fucking protect you oh yeah and the way he tries to kind of win her back by sending her gifts I'm thinking Is it gift-giving love language or just trying to buy love? I was a little torn. I think for him, like, the majority of the gifts were meant to be meaningful to her, which is what I would like. Mm -hmm. You know, you can tell that he's putting thought into it. And she loves those little things, like him getting her red velvet cupcakes that spelled I'm sorry, that vintage camera. Oh, that's true. He also gives her that framed fall festival photo booth strip, which he kept, which is so cute, even though he said photos are pointless, probably because of his HSAM. Right. And it's it's just showing like he hates them, but she but he knows that she loves them. <laughs> yeah. Regardless, she begs him to stop with the gifts because she's totally close to cracking. <laughs> Him stopping, but also admitting he loves her. I'm so happy. I mean, he needed, at this point, he needed to say it. Like, the words needed to come out of his mouth. He couldn't beat around the bush. Yeah, and because I don't know if you guys remember, but earlier on, she had said it way in advance, right? Right. And he had just kind of said, like, you're the light to my darkness, which still cute, but, like, you need to say the words, too. And so he finally does. And he also fucking says... I never claim to be a fairy tale. I'm a fucked up person with fucked up morals, and you are the only one I have eyes for. Your enemies are my enemies. I would burn down the world for you. Oh, yeah. He promises to never give up on winning her back no matter what it takes, and she doesn't know if there is anything he could do. Then it jumps to a year later, and they've stayed in touch. They've kind of become friends. And now we're at the Fellowship Grand Exhibition. Where he buys all of her artwork. Wouldn't you feel like he was buying your success, though? I mean, I feel like art, like if someone came in and bought something out, it would be more coveted. People would be like, why is this person buying all the stuff? Because the people going to the event don't know that, you know, it's her ex-boyfriend that's buying all of her stuff. 
That's true. But they're like, so I feel like in the art world, that would be good. But then I also feel like it's his possessive side where he's kind of like, no one can have anything of yours <laughs> because I own it all. That and you may be onto something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And the singing scene that he does. So when I read it, I was like, oh, he can fucking sing. This is amazing. <laughs> but there is so much controversy online about that as well. And I wonder if that's why people don't like his book as much. Just because he sings? Yeah, they said it was cringy. Oh, and I was like, what? what is cringy about a man singing his heart out to you? Yeah, no, I liked it because especially the way he stares right at her the whole time. And this is the one thing he had refused to do for anyone, and he does it for her. Plus, it's obvious he's good at singing. I mean, Ava's reaction, Alex didn't just sing. He sang with emotion, with beauty, so much rawness. It took her breath away. He bared his soul with each note. Like, she says it's what even gained her trust back. I mean, in my personal life, do I want to be serenaded? No. <gasps> you don't? No. I No. It's happened to me once before, and I seriously wanted to bury myself in the ground. You've had a bad experience. It's yeah, okay. I just, I can't. And Ultimately, what song do you think he was singing? Because I was kind of upset that she didn't give a song, so I could go pull it up and fucking listen to it. Right, and feel pretend. like you're in the moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, come on. Honestly, I mean, I know it's a song about love and heartbreak, right? Betrayal, redemption, regret, forgiveness. But in my head, I pictured, and this is totally not what it was, but I pictured a foreign song, like Italian, even though he's Russian. And she never mentions being able to speak Italian yeah, or right. Russian. She, she would literally have to understand what he was saying. But when I think of like a romantic setting, I think of Italian music. So. Yeah. I, I mean, when I even... cook, I even just have a playlist called Romantic Italian Music. <laughs> so <laughs> it's a vibe. Yeah, totally. Even after all this, Alex still gets jealous about Jack going into their conversation, cutting it off and being like, she's busy for tonight through the foreseeable future. Yeah. And this Jack guy is just some random photographer that she's known in London. And he literally threatens to kill him. And Ava has to say, oh, he just likes hyperboles. And Jack's like, text me when you're homesick. <laughs> He's actually like, this guy is psychotic. Right. <laughs> he Even when he kisses her cheek goodbye, Alex has this low growl that she describes as filling the room. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. She was totally a sucker from the beginning. Like, no way could she have held out right. to not love him again. Oh, she yeah. was going to end up back with him no matter what. And I love that he made all of the staff leave at the gallery <laughs> when he came to her like, everyone get the fuck out while I fuck my bitch, okay? <laughs> and the dirty talk as they have that makeup sex against the wall. Shout out to the paintings who tried their hardest to hang on but ended up falling off the walls. <laughs> <laughs> kind of reminds me of that cabin scene, chapter 55, if you know, you know. <laughs> I, 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 I don't even need to say anything else because those who know will know just from that. <laughs> There's also an epilogue included in this book. They're living together in D.C. in a penthouse. Josh still hasn't forgiven Alex, but lives in DC too. Alex is a CEO of Archer Group again. Ava's got her dream job as a freelance photographer for National Geographic. So everything's kind of summarized. They're doing well. Right. Like they're having a happy ending. Right. But it's setting up the next book, which is Rise and Bridget, baby. Hey, hey. I love how their banter is shown even in the middle of this book at Fall Fest where he's overprotective bodyguard and she gets worked up fighting him when she's usually so proper. <laughs> I honestly loved how this was done at the end because this made me want to jump into Twisted Games immediately. Yeah. Because Alex is looking at the screen and he's like, mm, Bridget, looks like being in line for the throne is the least of your worries. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go, Daddy Rise. <laughs> <laughs> There's also a bonus chapter. I highly recommend downloading it. If you have the Kindle ebook version, there is a link to it. All you have to do is submit your email, get a copy. 
It is spicy spice, okay? They're in an apple orchard in Vermont visiting uh, Alex's Krav Maga karate whatever teacher. Ava tricked Alex into picking apples after an orgasm because when they previously went to Vermont, he's like, I'm not picking fucking apples. And she's like, babe, we're picking apples. And then his revenge is taking her in the orchard with the chances of getting caught and refusing to let her orgasm until he says so. Honestly, the perfect ending. Dual meaning there, if you know what I mean. <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> okay, Carly, I do have a few theories that I want to hear your thoughts on. Okay. Ready? Theory number one. I think Alex never would have went for Ava since it was his best friend's sister and Nemesis's daughter, but because he was assigned protecting her, he ended up kind of getting feelings for her. And even if he really used her as a pawn, he still actually fell for her because I think it triggered his trauma response from losing his family to overprotect her by being assigned to her and ultimately allowed him to let her in closer than he's ever let any other woman in his life, aka never having a relationship and even having rules to sex that make it impersonal. Yeah, I agree. His forced proximity with her is why he started to like her more. Because, I mean, he was annoyed by her for sure. And I think distancing himself from her was easy because his relationship with Josh was friendship versus his relationship with Ava grew into love. So I think blocking out love in the end for revenge is way harder than kind of destroying a relationship. So yeah, shout out fucking Josh. Like, <laughs> yeah. you killed it. <laughs> you... You made you made all of this turn positive in yeah. a way. I mean, without Josh, literally none of the shit would have happened. Like no. not even just their love. Like maybe even finding out that Ivan set everything up. Maybe he would have destroyed Michael Chen and it would have all been kind of for nothing. Right. Yeah. That's such a good point. The other question I have is would you have taken Alex back if he came for you in Europe after everything that happened yes I mean not right away I would have done it <laughs> I mean you I, have- I would have probably given it up sooner <laughs> that's what I was gonna say would you have lasted as long as Ava because I don't think I could have I mean probably not no fucking sex Come a on. year that guy's fucking dicked you down Good. Yeah. I would have come like on. made him like come back in and like just have sex with me, but then like <laughs> be like, get out. You can't be here. I don't love you. We're just friends with benefits. <laughs> but then you're just fooling yourself. So I mean, she was fooling herself without the sex. So That's might as true. well get something out of it. That's true. <laughs> she was getting free coffee and muffins, though. <laughs> true. We like that too. <laughs> like we discussed earlier in the podcast. This book is the first of four, which I have read them all. And I love that in each of the books, she does it different. Like there's different kinks, different tropes, and it also follows a timeline. So it's not like you're going back in time necessarily and reading through like for Bridget and Race's story, they kind of go back into the timeline that was going on in Twisted Love, but it's more of a flashback. And then the main plot is actually going through real time. And then right. same for Josh's book. And then same for Stella's book at the end. Yeah, because their relationships are kind of overlapping, right? Like Rise is already Bridget's bodyguard while Ava and Alex are going through their book. So it's kind of nice because you find out what her friends are going through at the same time. Also... This author has a knack for creating the perfect man for every girl. You have a type. She's written it. Highly recommend reading the rest of this series as well as the follow-up series, which is focused around the seven deadly sins. For this episode's book is shout out, we are featuring Daisy at Daisy.readsromance, who is a psycho like us and easily reads over 100 <laughs> books a year, aiming for 200 plus. <laughs> she also gives honest reviews, and we are obsessed with her edits and the overall vibe of her page. Yeah, she does this really cool thing where she reads a book and is able to fit the entire story into a collage style post. 
that kind of makes me reminiscent of the vision boards I used to make as a kid with, you know, those magazine with the cutouts. Magazine cutouts? Yes, yes, you know what I'm talking about. I love that. Those are the best. She's also just super nice. So give her a follow, message her, and get to know a fellow bookish gal at Daisy, D A I S Y, dot reads, R E A D S, romance, R O M A N C E. This episode's Would You Rather is mine. I'm scared. It's not as bad as the other ones that I've done. Yeah, I, no, I don't I don't trust you. <laughs> <laughs> so, would you rather get a paper cut every time you turn to page or never be able to picture what you're reading? Oh, God. Both are trash. <laughs> I hate both of them. And I'm a super visual reader. I don't know that I would like reading as much if I couldn't picture it. So I feel like I would have to put up with the paper cuts. I don't know how you could read something and not picture it. Isn't that kind of like the point? No, there's that's a thing. Some people don't picture what they're reading. What? Uh, interesting. Yeah. I did not know that was a thing. Yeah. So All if right. that was how I was, then it'd be an easy pick. I would just say, oh, well, don't picture. But I do picture. It's like a movie in my head when I read. It's really detailed. I feel like you could get used to the pain. Yeah. You know, I mean, is there rules against wearing a glove? Can you you imagine if you're reading a really intense book and you're just flipping the pages and you're just getting sliced the fuck up? You know what? No, I would get a Kindle. Boom. That's what I was going to say. that. (laughs) I was like, I don't read physical books that often, so it wouldn't be a problem for me. Uh, I love a physical book. I But I can switch it up. It hits different. It hits different when you can turn the pages for sure. Thank you guys for listening. In two weeks, in honor of hockey season returning, we're going to be doing Consider Me by Becca Mack. For more, follow us on our socials, TikTok and Insta at Read It and Write It, and subscribe to us on YouTube or wherever you're listening in. Our DMs are open to Would You Rather suggestions or books and topics you want covered, or you can email us at readitandwriteit at gmail.com. See you guys next episode.